0: Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Schell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our Sermon Podcast. And as we get going in this episode of our Sermon Podcast, we are kind of unofficially into the beginning of summer. Because Memorial Day has passed, school has let out, amusement parks are up and running, summer camps are happening, vacations are going on, so we are into the flow of summer. But as we get busy with summer, it's easy for us to forget about some other things in our lives. Our schedules start filling up and other things go on the back burner. And unfortunately, one of those things that we can easily forget about is our relationship with God. So over the next couple of episodes of our sermon podcast, we're going to be talking about how you can get back at it in your relationship with God. And this series is going to be preached by our youth minister here at Melbourne Heights, Joe Noland. So let's go ahead and get right into this sermon and I'll turn it over to Joe.
1: today, and that is really what is important. Um, so with that, let me go ahead and jump right into it. So have you ever had something that you love to do, but you had to walk away from it? Maybe it was that it seemed childish to do anymore, or uh, maybe it was too kind of time-consuming, or maybe people just thought that it was weird. It could be that life demanded other things of you, or even you just felt like you had to move on. Have you ever felt like that? You ever get a chance to go back to the thing that you love to do? Back to getting into it and realizing that your love for it never really changed? Well, I did. We're going to talk about it a little today. So, I had a hobby that I have thoroughly enjoyed since I was somewhere between three and five years old. I can't remember exactly when I got started. But it was something that has stayed with me until I moved out from my parents' house after college. And this hobby, well, it challenged me to think differently, to be creative when I got stuck. But after moving out of my parents' house, I had to leave it behind because there wasn't room for it in the apartment that I was moving into. And it would be several years before I get get to come back to it. And what was that thing? Well, anyone that knows me very well, I think I just heard it out there. Was yeah, it's Lego. That's my hobby. When I was only about five years old, uh, I got my first Lego set from my uncle, and it was a set of four or five fire trucks. Uh, It was one of their first sets, or not really their first sets, but it was one of the special sets they had for Christmas that year. And he got it for me, and I had so much fun putting it together, and that's what got me started on this path. I even had most of the pieces still, too. But I remember growing up with Lego that uh, my dad and I would build these huge houses on the living room table or we would build planes that I would get to leave on my uh, dresser and play with whenever I wanted to when I was younger. I remember recreating the fishing trawler from the movie Jaws and then taking the large rubber toy and replaying that final scene out of the movie in the bathtub. I still didn't make it. Um, but through the years, I've been able to figure out how to build cities and starships. And at one point, uh, when I was still at my parents' house, I had a hanging city built out of the side of a desk, complete with a sky bridge, an elevator, at least three landing platforms for spaceships, and a stargate. For those of you who know what a stargate is, I know I'm a little weird. But once I moved out of my parents' house after college, I had moved into an apartment where I had to leave. Lego behind for a bit. I had to leave that part of me behind. And it wasn't until I got married and Elizabeth and I bought our first house together that I was able to get back into creating Lego again. Uh, Except this time I stuck more to Lego sets than actually building my own creations because of space and time. Uh, And so I got to enjoy that again. And then Patrick came along and I had to give him up again because he needed a room to live in. Yeah, it, it is what it is. Um... But again, those Legos ended up in a closet for several years until we moved into our current house. But now that we're in our current house, I get to play with Lego with both of my kids now, too. Once again, I get to build cities and ships mostly for them. Uh, And what's even better is I get to watch them do the same alongside me. And there's something special about being able to share something that I love with my kids. It's something that brings us closer together. And for those of you who don't know, I have two kids. One of them is now five years old and going to be starting kindergarten in the fall. The other one will be turning nine in just a few short months and starting third grade. And it is nuts. Um, (laughs) But I love them with all of my being and I would do anything for them. They are wonderful children most of the time. And the relationship that you have with your children is one that is very intimate and very close. But what does it have to do with you? What do my children and playing with Legos have to do with you? Well, during these next two weeks that I get to fill in for Adam, we're going to be talking about what it means to get back at it in our relationship with Christ. Like I got back into it with building Lego. And we're in the middle of the summer where our schedules are thrown out of whack because of vacations and because of uh, camps and kids being out of school. And those disruptions can lead us away from what we're used to. And it can lead us away from Jesus. So today and next Sunday, we're going to be talking about, uh, or being taking a short look at how you can rebuild your relationship with Christ. And in our first step to doing that, to rebuilding that intimate relationship with Christ, we have to look at what broke it in the first place. And that means going back to the beginning. Back to the garden where God gave Adam and Eve one rule. Don't eat from this tree and many who had one rule, and they broke it. So I know most of us remember the story of the fall, but we're going to take another look at it again this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead, we're going to be starting in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and here's what that says. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden?" The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will certainly uh, not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So Adam and Eve had one rule don't eat from the tree. They had one rule, and they were fooled by a serpent. There was one rule in the entire garden, and somehow they managed to break it. But if that wasn't bad enough, After breaking it, they tried to hide from it. So let's continue the story in verse 8. It says Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So in the wake of their mistakes, after they ate the fruit that they knew that they weren't supposed to eat, they hide from God as he enters the garden. God asks this question, where are you? Where are you? See, God's not asking this question, it's playing a game of hide and seek. He already knows exactly what has happened and exactly where Adam and Eve are. But at this point, his heart is breaking because he knows what this means for Adam and Eve. And to make matters worse, they're trying to hide what they did from God. That's exactly what happens here. Following this passage, God lays down punishment for Adam, Eve, and the serpent. But it probably would have been a little lesser punishment if they had just come up to God and said, Hey, I made a mistake. He ate the fruit. You told us not to eat. Instead of trying to hide it. Now, if you're a parent, you probably know exactly how God is feeling in this moment. See, my son has a tendency to do kind of the same thing he will get into trouble, and instead of just testing up to what he did, he'll try to hide it by lying about it or saying something like, i forgot." It drives me crazy, but he doesn't. And for some reason, no matter how many times we tell him just to tell us the truth, he thinks that if he can hide it, he can get away with it, and he won't get punished for it. Well, obviously that doesn't work. And anyone out there who's raised children is exactly what I'm talking about here. But God's call to Adam and Eve wasn't to scold them or because he didn't know where they were. God's call to Adam and Eve was to let them know that they didn't have to hide. God's call to Adam and Eve was to let them know that they didn't have to hide. See, I don't think that the tree was set in the garden as a temptation to sin. I know when we talk about it, uh, that's how we view it, is that it was a temptation for Adam and Eve to stand in the garden. But if we look at it from a slightly different point of view, the tree wasn't there as a temptation, but as an invitation to be more intimate with God. The tree was there to give Adam and Eve, and in extension giving us a choice of whether we wanted to be with him or not. So God asking us, where are you? It's more of God calling us to him, letting us know that he is always looking for us and we just have to be willing to come out of hiding. He knows where we are. He just wants, to realize, wants us to realize that we don't have to hide from him. He wants us to know that if we want to have an intimate relationship with God, all we have to do is to come to him. But what comes next in the story that we read is something that we can all relate to as well. It's when Adam answers God. He says that he was hiding because he was afraid and because he was naked. Adam realizes that everything about him has been laid out to bear for the world to see, and he's afraid of it. Adam felt shame for the first time. He felt the need to hide who he was from God. Adam was starting to feel like he wasn't good enough for God. God's response to them is one that echoes through the centuries even today. Who told you that you were naked? If we look at it in the sense of the context of Adam hiding. God is really asking Adam, who told you that you weren't good enough? Who told you that I didn't love you? It's those two questions that we're hearing today, too. God is still asking us, who told you that you weren't good enough? Why do you think that I don't love you? See, these questions that we have here, they're the ones that keep us from getting back to God and making Him our priority in our life. We don't need to hide from Him. He already knows what's going on. He already knows where we are. We just have to get out of our own ways and come to Him. There's another group that we meet in the Bible in the New Testament that feels kind of the same way that Adam and Eve did back in the garden. In the letter to the Ephesians, the target group that we see here is a group of Gentiles um, excuse me, who were starting to think that they didn't belong to the church because they weren't adhering to Jewish laws and customs. They were starting to think that because they weren't Jews, they weren't welcome in the kingdom of God. And they thought that they weren't good enough because of their upbringing. And so in this letter to the Ephesians, in chapter 2, Paul writes this, starting in verse 8. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Paul is trying to comfort these believers and letting them know that it doesn't matter your upbringing or whether or not you were a Jew. You are welcome in the kingdom of God because you believe in Jesus. And that was all there was to it. A few years ago, I did a sermon series called God's Masterpiece. Um, in that series, I talked about verse 10 of that passage quite a bit, that you are God's masterpiece. But the whole idea of the sermon series was to let you know that you are enough. That you are already who God wants you to be at this moment. You see, like all masterpieces, you're not finished yet. God is still forming you. you see, famous works like the Mona Lisa, the Statue of David, or even the Sistine Chapel, they weren't created overnight. They, they took time. And just like them, you are still being formed, still being chipped away at like a stone sculpture by God. Being sculpted into who who God wants you to be. All you have to do is to let God have that chisel, to let Him have the control of chipping away at you, and to be following Him. And it's what creating intimate relationship with Christ is all about: is getting out of our own ways and letting God have control of how we're formed. Adam and Eve hid because they thought that they weren't enough. They didn't realize that God still loved them even after breaking the one rule they had. See, they were still good enough. And you are good enough too just by being you. You are good enough too just by being you. You are loved because of who you are. You are loved because God loves you. And you are able to create a relationship with God. Because Jesus saved you from your own sins. Because he wants to be close to you, he wants to have that relationship. So if you want to make Christ your priority again, or for the first time, it starts by coming out of hiding. It starts by accepting that you are good enough. It starts by believing that God loves you. And it starts by becoming intimate with Him again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your willingness to be with us and your persistence in seeking us out every day. Help us to realize that we don't need to hide ourselves from you. In fact, we need to do the opposite and open ourselves up completely before you and to bear our souls to you, good and bad. God, thank you for being our guide and our teacher uh, in how we are to love you and to love each other. And Thank you for your love and letting us know that we are good enough need to remind us that we are your masterpiece and that we don't have to hide from you any longer. In your name we pray.
0: Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has shown you how you can get back at it in your relationship with God whenever you start drifting away. Because one thing that we need to remember is... When our relationship with God changes, God's not the one that moved. We are. And we need to remember that no matter what's been going on in our lives, that God still loves us, God still cares about us, and that God still believes that we are good enough for him. So if you're straying in your relationship with God, it's never too late to get back at it. Well, in our next episode, Joe's going to wrap up this sermon series, and he's going to be talking about the next step that you need to take if you're getting back at it in your relationship with God. So we hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And don't forget, you don't have to wait for next Tuesday to roll around. You can also come and worship with us live every Sunday morning. You can join us on our church website at MHBc louisville.com slash live we worship every sunday morning at 10 30 a.m eastern time and we would love to have you come and join us well until next time i hope that you guys have a great week i will be praying for you and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast